Good morning and welcome to Grace Community Church. Merry Christmas. Not bad. All right. I'm going to pray for us this morning as we get started in worship and then uh, we'll get going. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you for coming to earth, being born as a child, Lord, so that you would know what it means uh, as we as we recognize you would know what it means to live a life as a human, to walk this earth in pain and sorrow, Lord, to give up your life for us. All of those things you knew as you came as a baby, and we praise you and thank you for it. Lord, help us to worship with pure and sincere hearts this morning. Help us to have joy and everlasting hope in you. I pray it in your name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 2 says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Luke 2, 8 through 14 says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good noise of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swatting claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. John 1, 1 through 5 and 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Today we light the last Advent candle, celebrating the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And we light this final Advent candle to celebrate that he has entered the darkness and overcome it by his light. Would you please go to the Lord in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this glorious day. Christmas Eve, as we celebrate the birth of you becoming flesh and dwelling among us, and not simply dwelling among us, but becoming man, 
emptying yourself, taking on our sin and fulfilling the law, conquering sin and death and rising again on the third day, Easter morning. Lord, we thank you for all of that. We thank you for this opportunity to worship you this Christmas Eve. We pray that you would be glorified in all that is done today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, The theme this morning for this Christmas Eve is the birth of hope. Before we get to the message, just want to let you know that after this message, we are going to have an opportunity. We're going to ask you to stick around and give you an opportunity to give hope to a child that does not have hope. So I'll explain that later towards the end of the service, but afterwards we're going to ask you to stick around. You can go into the gym and you can see some different opportunities to give others hope. But the theme this morning is the birth of hope. How many of you, how many of you enjoy, at least enjoy, I'm not saying is this your favorite Christmas movie, but at least you enjoy the Colley McCulkin Home Alone, the first one in particular. It's a decent movie. It's a decent movie. It came out in 1990. My wife and I and uh, my daughter and son-in-law, we watched it on Thursday night. And there's a scene after, after uh, Kevin's mom realizes that he's not on the plane. Of course, they land in Paris. And she's trying to figure out a way to get back to the States so she can, so she can rescue her helpless Kevin. And she says, she says this. They can't find any tickets. There's no tickets available. And she says to the lady behind the counter, this is Christmas, the season of perpetual hope. So evidently, evidently, our culture has picked up on something about Christmas that conveys perpetual hope. Now, you don't find out about what that perpetual hope is in this movie. And honestly, you don't find out about what that perpetual hope is in most Christmas movies. But nonetheless, with every Christmas carol or every Christmas song that we hear on the radio, it it gives us that sort of vibe, like there's something about this season that's different from November, certainly different than October, September, and different than January. And there's something about this this Christmas season, whatever that is, that, that conveys perpetual hope. Andy Williams, that's an old picture, that's an old album, but this, this comes from the song, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. So the lyrics, it's the most wonderful time of the year with the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you to be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Why? Why is today, why is tomorrow, why is the season leading up to it the most wonderful time of the year? He doesn't say. He just assumes all of you and everyone in our Judeo-Western culture kind kind of resonates with this being the most wonderful time of the year. If we pick it up just a little bit more modern, Michael Buble, actually this is a Bing Crosby song, but the more recent version is Michael Buble. Am I saying that right? Buble. I'm sure it's not Michael Bubbly. He wouldn't appreciate that at all. But the, the, there's one line in the song. It, it begins, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Toys in every store. But the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your own front door. And then he says this. A pair of hop-along boots and a pistol that shoots is the wish of Barney and Ben. 
Dolls that talk and will go for a walk is the hope of Janice and Jen. And mom and dad can hardly wait for school to start again. How many of you moms and dads can, that, that resonates with you? All right, we'll just see a little crowd participation here. Kids, this is for you. How many of you are looking forward to opening up your presents either tonight on Christmas Eve or tomorrow morning? Anybody? Okay. You ask for something. You're hoping for that something. You want a pistol. That's so politically incorrect nowadays, a pistol that shoots. Oh, and, and the next line's not even politically correct either. Dolls that talk and go for a walk. It's so gender stereotyping, right? Well, I'm not going to go there. Well, it's too late. I already did. But, but the idea, and then, and then look, look just one down line for the moms and dads. Here's the thing. You can hardly wait for school to start again. In each of these scenarios, whether it's the boys, the little girls, or the moms and dads, everyone's looking for something forward, something forward to something they don't yet have. And see, that's, and I'm talking about the way that our culture perceives Christmas. It's, it's a perpetual season of hope. In other words, they're looking for something they don't have now, but they hope to have later, and that's going to make all the difference. And that's going to make all the difference. So, what is that hope? Hope kindled. What everyone is looking for is a new toy. Everyone's looking for a new toy, a new relationship, a new resolution, a new achievement. There's this sense of hope that this year, at the close of of 2022 and and the advent of 2023, that there's going to be something new. And and what's under the tree perfectly represents that. We've got all these gifts here, right? So how many of you, when you were little kids, you just camped out under the tree in the weeks leading up to Christmas and you held those presents and you, you shook them? Any, anybody? How many of you were evil and you unwrapped the presents and then wrapped them back up? Let's just have a time of confession. There's one. There's, there's two, three. There's quite a few of you. It's good that you're in church. This is where the gospel is presented. It's especially for you. Okay, but this is the way we are. We're looking forward to something that's under the tree that represents a new hope, represents something brand new. And we're going to find our meaning in that. A new toy for the kids? Eh, You don't really grow out of that as adults. A new toy for an adult? They just get more expensive. They just get more expensive. Or a new relationship? A new relationship, a new resolution. Today or this year is going to be the year that I change or or that something new happens in our family or a new achievement, goals. We're always looking just over the horizon for something that we don't yet have that we hope to attain that's going to give our lives meaning. And then what happens? Well, Christmas morning comes and you open up those presents I remember back, oh, I think I was talking to my dad and my mom about this just recently. I think I was about eight years old, living in Newton, Iowa. And this was a present that I didn't ask for, actually. And so I was really surprised when I got it. And it was was the coolest thing I think I've ever got on a Christmas morning. I got a pair of skis. I didn't ask for a pair of skis. I didn't ask for a pair of skis. But I opened those skis and I thought, this is awesome. I can just picture myself just... You know, it's a wild world of sports, just, you know, jumping off the, off the jump. And it was just the coolest thing. I could not wait. I could not wait. That was the coolest gift ever. And I was so looking forward to using those. It made everything brand new. 
And then everything breaks. And turns out nothing satisfies. My dad took me on Christmas morning out to Sunset Park. This is where the the Newton kids would go and sled. And we went out there and it was freezing cold. It was windy. I don't think it was quite as cold as yesterday, but it was cold and it was very windy. And we got to the top of the hill and I I buckled those things on and I I got them all strapped in and I and I kind of, you know, got up to the got up to the hill like this and then just got to the edge and then let gravity take over and went 10 feet, fell, broke the binding on the ski. I just sat there in the snow with my brand new skis and the leather buckles just snapped and I just started to cry. And I know that's a shock for most of you that have heard me preach, but I began to cry. My dad actually felt bad for me. He said, it's okay, bud. And so we came home and, and that was it. That was it. And my new toy, my new thing that was going to give my life meaning was just as broken as my little heart, my little eight-year-old heart. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Every one of you has an experience very similar. Or, or you get that brand new toy, that brand new thing that you think is going to give your life meaning, and you are so excited, and you play for it for what? A day? two days, and now you're bored with it and you've moved on to something else. Either it breaks or it doesn't satisfy. And I'm not just talking about the things under the tree. You enter into that relationship and you have set your heart, that new relationship, that brand new marriage, that's what's going to give your life meaning until it doesn't. That brand new job, you graduate from college and you get that job. Now your life's going to start and now your life is going to have meaning until it doesn't, until your job stinks and you wish you had another job. You've accumulated all of this debt and you think, as soon as I get out of debt, then my life will have meaning. Some of you are like, well, I'm still in debt. I'm never going to get out of debt. But you think that you will someday and then maybe your life will have meaning. And then when you do, it doesn't. Maybe the bigger house will do it. It doesn't. Everything that we chase after, everything that is new and shiny under the tree eventually breaks, eventually breaks, it all falls apart. It all falls apart. Have you found hope in anything under the tree, literally or metaphorically? For those of you that say yes, just wait, it will break. Or you will grow tired of it. You, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. So there's something about Christmas that conveys a message of hope, but what? The real American dream, the real American dream, an author, a Columbia professor by the name of uh, Andrew DeBlanco and his book, The Real American Dream, A Meditation of Hope. In the introduction of this book, he says, hope is the way we overcome the lurking suspicion <laughs> This is so cheery. I overcome the lurking suspicion that all of our getting and spending amounts to nothing more than fidgeting while we wait for death. Merry Christmas. Okay, that's pretty dark. That's pretty dark. But he's spot on. He's spot on. He's not saying anything different than the author of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. The summary of Ecclesiastes is this. Everything under the sun is utterly meaningless. It's going to break 
or it's not going to satisfy. End of story. He's saying the same thing. This is not a new thing. This is just someone who's tapped into the realization that everything under the tree is only going to satisfy for just a moment until it breaks or you get bored of it. We're just fidgeting, waiting for death. Waiting for death. So how is this the season of perpetual hope? What, is, what's the, what, what have we not mentioned yet in this, in this sermon? We've talked about Christmas morning. We've talked about toys. We've talked about carols. We've talked about movies. What is suspiciously absent from this message so far? The person and work of Jesus. The reason for the season, which everybody seems to be afraid to mention in all of these, all of these pop, Christian, or pop Christmas songs and movies, the meaning of Christmas is that there is hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Take a look at what the Apostle Peter writes in his letter to, uh, to the exiles. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a what? This is a living hope. This is a living hope because this hope is in a person who is alive, Jesus Christ. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. Take a look at that description here. How is that different from the things that you experience that you typically put your hopes in? The things that we typically put our hope in are perishable. And they're not wholly pure. So they are defiled in a sense. And they do fade. We do get tired of them. And these are kept in heaven for us. Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. This is the meaning of Christmas. Christmas is not about a little cute baby in a manger. It's about that baby, yes. It's about God who became man, took on flesh and dwelt among us. But that baby grew up. That baby lived a sinless life. That baby became a man. And that that man fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. That man, Jesus Christ, could actually say, I live to do the will of my Father who is in heaven. That man, Jesus, that God-man, Jesus, fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. That man took on flesh and became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Why did all of this happen? In the beginning was God. And the word of God was with God. He was with God in the beginning. In the beginning, going way, way, way way back to Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that man was created in the image of God. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And when he created us, God created us to bear his image, to reflect his glory, and to have fellowship, perfect fellowship, with him, vertically, and with one another, horizontally. And in the garden, there was hope. Nothing wore out. Nothing, there were no broken relationships. There were no dashed hopes. 
There was no boredom. There was a sense of which mankind, Adam and Eve, found perfect fulfillment in who they were in the relationship with their heavenly father and in the relationship with one another. Perfect peace. They lived amongst the the prince of peace and they walked with him. That was the beginning. That was when mankind had hope. But that didn't last for very long because in that same context, they were tempted. They were tempted and the tempter came. They had one rule. Could you imagine if you just had for one rule for your children? Just, just one rule. This is the only thing that I ask you to do. They only had one rule. And that one rule was not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said that on the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. But the tempter came and said to Eve, did God really say that you will die when you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? She said, yes. He says, you can't even touch it. And then he says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You won't surely die for God knows that when you eat of that tree, you will become like him and you will know the difference between good and evil. You see, here's the dirty little secret, Eve. God doesn't want you to have the knowledge that he has because he doesn't want you to become like him. And so she considered it and she saw that the tree was was pleasing to the eye and the fruit was pleasing to the eye and, and good for the knowledge of good and evil. She figured, hey, this is my chance. I can determine what is hope for myself. I don't need God. And so Adam and Eve both declared, they made this conscious choice. They made this conscious choice. It's important to understand this. To declare themselves independent from their creator who created them. And from that moment forward, from that moment forward, they determined what was right and wrong in their own eyes and what would bring them hope. And what did they find? As they sat under that tree, not the Christmas tree, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they realized that they were naked. They realized and they became ashamed. For the first time in human history, husband didn't trust the wife and the wife no longer trusted the husband. And they both felt vulnerable. They've both felt naked. They both felt ashamed and they hid. Enter human conflict and strife. The first broken relationship. And it only gets worse from there. It only gets worse from there. So in that garden, under that tree, not the Christmas tree, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mankind fell. And with them, you and I fell. Some of you might be arrogant enough to think, well, if I would have been there, I wouldn't have made such a dumb decision. Pretty sure you would have. But it doesn't matter because all of us since that time have, born, have been born with a predisposition. And you tell me if I'm wrong. We are born with a predisposition to buck authority and think that we know best. And it doesn't matter who the authority is, whether the authority is mom and dad, whether the authority is your boss, whether the authority is government, or whether the authority is God. We think we know better. So we have chosen, we are by nature and we are by choice rebels, just like our forefathers, just like our forefathers. And the wages of sin, Paul says, is death. Because of sin, you and I are separated. You and I are separated from a relationship with God. And that's why our relationships horizontally are broken as well. 
We can't humble ourselves enough to, to get along with people. We have to have our own way. And so we impose our will on other people. They try to impose their will upon us. And so we fight and we quarrel and this and that. And we look for, we look for meaning in everything else under the sun except the maker of the sun and the sun himself. And the sun himself. But there is a better way. And here it is. Peter proclaims the gospel. The gospel means good news. He's caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. The birth of hope is in the person of Jesus Christ. How do you receive that hope? How do you receive that hope? John records in John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But, but to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. What does that mean? How do you receive this living hope that Peter wrote about? How do you receive this, this hope? According to John, to all who receive him, have you received Christ? On this Christmas Eve, you have to ask yourself the question, have you as an individual received Christ, some of you are thinking, well, I'm a religious person. It's not what I asked. That's totally irrelevant. The people that nailed Jesus to the cross were far more religious than anyone here. It's not about your heritage. It's not about your denominational affiliation. It's not about whether or not you are a moral person. The question is, have you received the person of Jesus Christ? Have you received him? John says to all who received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. Some of you are thinking, wait, I'm confused. I thought all mankind were the children of God. Aren't, isn't everyone? I mean, there's a Christmas song somewhere that says, we're all God's children and that makes everything okay. I don't remember which song that is, but you know the line. Are we all God's children though? In a generic sense, in the sense that we are flesh and blood and we bear his image to the degree that we're human beings. Yes, everyone's a child of God in that sense, but that's not the sense in which John is speaking of here. He's saying as an adopted child in a covenantal relationship with the father, that's the the way he means. Have you received Christ? And are you, according to John, according to Jesus Christ, born again? What does Peter say? We've been born again into a living hope. Have you been born again? Have you received Jesus Christ as your savior? Now, I know that some of you are uncomfortable with the phrase born again. You think it's a voting block. It's not a voting block. Some people have attributed that phrase to a certain type of of person who is religious. Jesus attributes that phrase to anyone who's rightly related to him. So I'm not talking about a voting block. I'm talking about have you, as an individual, recognized that without Christ, you have no hope. That's the beginning. And, And that's dark. I know that. There's a sense in which you recognize that everything under the tree is going to break. Every relationship you have is going to dissolve or 
one of you is going to die. And I, I know I'm getting dark on Christmas Eve, but I have to go dark before the gospel is good news. And every single one of you, your children, your spouse, your siblings, your co-workers have been born in sin and are separated from Christ. And without Christ, we have no hope and we will perish into a Christless eternity. But there's hope because God became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? Because he knew that you and he knew that I would never be able to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. Jesus Christ knew that Brooks Simpson would be born a rebel and be without hope without him. And so Jesus Christ took my sin upon himself. Jesus Christ took your sin upon himself. Jesus took your precious grandchildren's sin upon himself. And when he went to the cross, when he uttered these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was a rhetorical question because he knew the answer to that question. The answer to that question is is described in Hebrews chapter 12. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Do you know what the joy that was set before Jesus was? Your redemption. The fact that on this Christmas Eve day, you would acknowledge and realize that your hope is not in your ability to keep the Old Testament law or the New Testament law of loving one another as Christ has loved us, but that Christ has kept the law in your stead and he has died for your sins and he has given him, your, or given you and I his righteousness through his work. And that he has conquered sin, that he has conquered death, and that on the third day he rose again, demonstrating that the Father has accepted his payment for our sin. That's where hope is found. So receive Christ. Receive Christ on this Christmas Eve. And for the first Christmas, for some of you, begin to walk in that living hope that Christ offers to all those who would receive him. To those who believe in his name, he gave you the right to become his adopted child, born not of flesh or blood, or the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but born of God on this Christmas day. Let me pray, and then I'm going to give you some instructions about what we're going to do next. Father, we thank you for for this precious day, this precious season, where we remember the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ, born in a manger. Although being in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he took the form of a servant and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Jesus, thank you for your humble submission to the will of your Father. Thank you for demonstrating your love for us and that you took our sins. Father, I pray for each man, woman, and child here that today they would recognize that their hope is in you. And for some that are not yet followers of you, I pray that today would be the day that they enter into that relationship. They repent of their sins. They cry out to you and receive you by grace, a free gift, through the medium of faith, simply trusting your promise. Lord, thank you that you say that all who call on you will be saved. Thank you, Lord, for that free gift of grace. We humbly acknowledge that and thank you on this Christmas Eve day in Jesus' name, amen.